Apple Card is the perfect cashback rewards credit card. You earn up to 3% daily cash on every purchase every day. That's 3% on your favorite products at Apple, 2% on all other Apple Card with Apple Pay purchases, and 1% on anything you buy with your titanium Apple Card or virtual card number. Visit apple.co slash card calculator to see how much you can earn. Apple Card, issued by Goldman Sachs Bank USA, Salt Lake City branch, subject to credit approval terms apply. Want to learn a new language? And who doesn't? Well, experience immersive lessons from the most trusted language app, Rosetta Stone. You know you keep telling yourself you want to learn a new language. The true accent feature even gives feedback on your pronunciation so you can speak the language like a native. Find lessons as short as 10 minutes, making it easy for you to learn anytime, anywhere. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Star Talk Radio listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash startalk today. Welcome to StarTalk, your place in the universe where science and pop culture collide. StarTalk begins right now. This is StarTalk Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries. Got with me, Chuck Nice, co-host. Hey, hey. what's Always happening? Good to have you, Chuck. Always a pleasure. Yeah, this is sports edition, and, and you're not an athlete, so <laughs> just want to make that clear. Oh, yeah. Disclosure uh, to the audience. I am sometimes when I'm sleeping. Sometimes <laughs> and you wake up I sleep after you won I, the gold and, medal. Right, yeah, okay. and I, I, they put the medal around my neck, and then I wake up like, oh, damn. <laughs> Gary O'Reilly, Gary. Hey, my, Neil. My other co-host in this, which uh, is the legit street cred part of this triad here. Chuck, I still have that dream, by the way. You, know, you wake <laughs> up and there's still no gold medal, but you know what? You got to have a dream. <laughs> so, uh, so Gary, when were you uh, playing professional soccer in the UK? When uh, was that? I spanned three decades. So, Seriously? Yeah, I am oh. that old. Um, I <laughs> the 70s, late part of the 70s. And moved through into the early part of the 90s. So I made my professional debut at a rather famous club, Tottenham Hotspur in London, at the age of 19. Okay, cool. Yeah. and um, But you're still an old fart. Absolutely. Totally (laughs) and (laughs) decrepit old fart. So today uh, in this Cosmic Queries, we're going to do the physics of sports. And, Mm. you know, I, I try to wax poetic about that often in my social media, but to really do it right, we had to reach into our Rolodex and find our resident geek in chief. And Chuck, you know who that is. There's only one person. Only one person. There's only one, and that's Charles Liu. Charles. Hi, Neil, Gary, Chuck. It's so good to see you again. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Star Talk. Chuck isn't uh, Charles. I sorry. Chuck Whichever Charles you want. can also go by Chuck, but we have two Chucks, so I'm going with Charles. Charles okay. is an, an old friend, a co-author, a colleague, and so we go way back. And, and he just started back. a new rock band. <laughs> yeah. 
Is that true? I hadn't heard. Yeah, well, I'm, oh. I'm just judging by your hair. Yes, I'm conducting a scientific experiment. Uh, <laughs> what will happen to my facial expression if I don't cut my hair for a year? Yeah, yes, the right. COVID haircut, the, the, the non-haircut, it's very exciting. the COVID right. non-haircut. Well, and if, you, if you develop so, superhuman strength, stay away from any woman with scissors. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> the record shows. Uh, well, you know, my, my, my brother-in-law saw me for the first time on Zoom in quite some time a few weeks ago, and he said, that still counts as a midlife crisis. Growing your hair long? Oh, oh yeah. It, interesting. Uh, oh, and one, one thing about... Uh, uh, that story with cutting your hair. So do you know who cut Samson's hair? Uh, Delilah. Was it Delilah or wasn't it? Yeah, see, it turns out it wasn't. Delilah's stylist. (laughs) It's not not Delilah. Was it Vidal Sassoon? (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, if Samson doesn't look good, he doesn't look good. Exactly. (laughs) It it was uh, Mott. Delilah got... Delilah got Vidal Sassoon to cut Samson's <laughs> exactly. No, you no, could win a bar bet on that if you wanted to and just, just show it to him. But uh, anyhow, so, so Charles. Yes. Uh, I just, you are on this program because however geeky anybody is, there's always someone on the geek spectrum geekier than, than, than you think you are, right? Oh so you are the geekiest person we've ever had on this show. Oh, and so you represent... So that 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 extreme limit the way we need binoculars to find where you are on that scale just you are, are the just supernova the... of geekitude <laughs> <laughs> you are all kind beyond kind thank you but uh i would just once uh love to be able to score that winning goal the same way that gary has and chuck has in his dreams all these years oh okay okay we, and do, so we chuck... all do it in different ways charles <laughs> oh, we, have we all our, achieve our the same thing methods. in different yeah. ways yeah yeah so uh, let me give you a pedigree here. So you're professor of astrophysics at the College of Staten Island at, at the City University of New York. Yes. And you're, you're an associate at, at my Hayden Planetarium. Yes. I'm delighted to have you on, the, to my great delight. on our staff there. Thank you. Uh, so you're an associate. So it means we, we reach for you when we need you and you contribute and participate in many of our uh, uh, excellent programs. And they just came out with the Handy Physics Answer Book. Coming yes. out like it came out this year, and it's part yes. of the Handy Answer Book series, and so that's just great. I, I, I'm uh, so that it's that kind of background that you have not only in astrophysics but in basic physics that contributes to this. Thank so, you. Gary, you got the first question. I have, and um, mm-hmm. this is from our Patreon patrons, and we are we are lovely with them. And right, this is Isam Kabaz. Uh, since most sports contain some degree of probability or chance, I wonder if a new sport can be devised that takes into account the probability presented by something like, and this is going to go way over my head, wave-particle duality. Oh, wow. Because that Ooh. sounds like a surfboard for two. Or, <laughs> but I'm, I'm guessing that's my low brain attitude to this. So please, guys, you've got to so, expand so on Charles, that. So, Charles, what do you, what do you yes. have? Oh, by the way, let me just say, that the sport with some of the least probability involved in it is wrestling. Okay, oh, yes. it's you and your muscles against the 
your opponent in their muscles. And it's not, did you hit the ball in the right fraction of an inch or is the wind going in the right direction? If you, if you, lo- if you lose, your ass lost. Okay. Well, <laughs> it's just that un- simple. Unless for some reason your muscle had a twitch for no good reason. Uh, right? A, a, a quantum, random twitch. Quantum mechanically induced twitch that caused oh, your okay. arm to suddenly be pinned behind your back. <laughs> the odds of that are slim, I admit. That force you to just go in your back <laughs> like with, for no right. reason. <laughs> so, so wave particle duality, Gary, mm, is... Yes a fundamental part of quantum theory. So, so Frenchman Willem de Broglie, uh, he, he basically said and explained that there is this wave particle duality. So a, a little particle like an electron behaves simultaneously both as a particle, uh, something with negative charge, for example, and as a wave. So it produces interference effects and things like that, just as uh, an ocean wave might in a larger environment. Oh. Uh, de Broglie also... Two ocean ex- waves. Two ocean waves coming through and hitting each other. That's right. Right. Uh, the the odd thing is that even something large like a baseball or a soccer ball or something like that is also a matter wave, but the wavelength is so tiny, far smaller than an atomic nucleus, that we in the macroscopic world will never notice those wave effects. So. In a sense, we are all waves of matter kind of interacting with other waves of matter. But with wavelengths so small, it's as if that wave action didn't matter. So if you wanted to use wave-particle duality to actually have some effect in a sport, you'd have to be on the microscopic level. I might imagine someday in the future where instead of playing video games like this, there might be a special kind of video game that you were zooming in and looking at a tiny subatomic realm in a sense. All right. Well, Uh, Chuck, let's let's just blow that out and say, so let's say in the future we have such power over the universe that we can change the value of the physical constants. And so now I've created it, I've within created, a small area of the universe. No, 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 no. I've created a quantum stadium, and in that stadium, Planck's constant is really large. Okay. And so, so you start getting these quantum effects with regular everyday objects and people wow. and phenomenon. So, tell me, what sport would you devise that could be like a quantum Olympic entry? Oh, well, okay. Um, not to get extra geeky on you on that. That's why you're on the show. If you were to increase Planck's constant to that level, you'd also have massive fluctuations of energy within that stadium. So that at any given time, something equivalent to a a nuclear explosion would go off right in front of one of your players. And so that's uh, something you don't want. That's mm. a game I want to go to. So so you say a bad idea is what you're saying. Well, I mean, if it were something like car wars or you know mad max or something where you have cars all you're trying to do is get from one place to the next and random explosions can be going off in the stadium at any time see the sport of the future charles will involve more fan interaction (laughs) so if you've got a stadium neil in your quantum stadium then all of a sudden they shout whilst the offense is in motion that then becomes something that derails that offense by moving it could we do some yeah so if you get enough people uh, coordinated in their actions, mm. you can yep. influence the outcome of the sport. Well, That's it's already happening in Twitch, for example, right? So if you have a situation beyond the video realm into the physical realm, then uh, I would devise a sport kind of uh, where you would have an object that could randomly move and the goal of the team 
is to grab that object or to otherwise uh, obtain this randomly moving thing. Sounds but like I think Quidditch. <laughs> you are absolutely right. So maybe uh, maybe the Quidditch pitch yeah. is indeed a quantum stadium, just like you described. Right? Oh, nice. And, and the birdie or whatever that's called, that's uh, following quantum the rules birdie. for its position. What's it called? The, the birdie. The golden snitch. <laughs> the snitch. Oh, sorry, the snitch. Excuse me. The snitch. <laughs> I do the, like birdie, though. That sounds quite... So, so the, the golden snitch is its position in three-dimensional, four-dimensional space and time is quantum determined because they don't know where it's going. Next, that would right? be that gotta, case, although presumably in oh, the so Harry cool, Potter's though. world of wizardry, yeah, it's not quantum determined, but it's uh, magically determined or even sentiently determined. It's not clear if, in fact, the golden snitch is alive or not. I was going to say the golden snitch may have a consciousness because when you look at the way it moves, it's cl- it's clearly not random. It's trying to evade the players so yeah. you never know okay but, but also, in a quantum and, world it could pop in and out of existence which means it would be even cooler it'd be totally cool if you add it if you add a fourth dimension if of you time in entangled there. the golden snitch yeah so that it could instantaneously provide information somewhere else uh and that would be almost like teleportation Right, 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 so right. it could just like be in one part of the stadium and then when you go to reach it it's gone and then it's over there now or that'd be kind of cool Esam, hey, hope that's your answer, fella. How deep does this rabbit hole go? Oh, man. Let's find out. <laughs> okay, Alice now, now if I if I can add an addendum to this, if I may, Charles, uh, in recent years, uh, was it uh, who's the guy who plays Ant Man? Um, oh, Scott uh, Lang, Paul, uh, no, Paul Rudd, no, Paul, Paul Rudd. Rudd, Paul Rudd. I think collaborated with Stephen Hawking to create. Quant- the rules for quantum chess, uh-huh. where when you try to take a piece, there's a probability that that piece is a different piece or is not even there. And so you're judging what the <laughs> likelihood is of the success of that move will be at every time you make a move. So you can Google it, quantum chess. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Season it. two of Queen's Gambit right there. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's not get into Ant-Man and, and quantum stuff, because that's a whole nother well, Someone might ask. Which, well, yeah, let's, let's yeah. stick to the, to the, to the <laughs> yeah. questions. Okay. And by the way, yeah. So, uh, okay. All right. So, so Chuck, you're next. You got, okay, did you finally go. reboot your, your I, iPad? I rebooted my, my little iPad, and so okay. I'm good now. Okay, so um, this is from... Uh, uh, Violetta, she's 12 years old. Oh, um, oh fabulous. Yes, and uh, she has a story that's too long to read, but thank you for the story. Uh, oh, by the way, by the way, just a quick thing. Uh-huh. Um, Violetta, is, I guess, is Little Violet, right? So, um, you know the rhyme, roses are red? So I've, yes. every five years I tweet, roses are red, violets are violet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Period. Uh, unless you don't have very strong sensitivity in the ultraviolet or the violet yeah, part of the I'm spectrum, not, in which case not, they actually look blue. The tweet is not intended for people with for, limited For Charles Lou. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Charles wearing Lou. blue blocker glasses, right? <laughs> right, right the exactly. UV, UV blocking glasses. The okay, violets so, are blue. So what does Violetta have to say? She's 12 years old? Very cool. Okay, mm-hmm. and uh, she's, she's, she basically says... Wait a minute, is she a uh, Patreon member? Wait a minute. Yes. Her, her mom oh, It's Violetta and mom. And mom, Izzy. okay. All Izzy. Right, yeah. Good. <clears throat> and mom is he uh, is a Patreon member, and uh, for for that we say thanks for the money. Is yes. he? Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not Chuck. Chuck. It's thanks for your support. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, Damn, see, Chuck. that's 
And I know now now I'm giving myself away because people are just like, I support you. I'm like, I don't need your support. I want your money. <laughs> that reminds right. me of Pearl Bailey once said during uh, uh, Pearl Bailey, old uh, singer, actors. Uh, she said on on Valentine's Day. Um, honey, on Valentine's Day, I want a five-pound box of money. <laughs> I love you all, it. You all know the Beatles song "Money," right? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Right. Money can't buy everything. Is true, but, but what it can't buy, buy I, I can't, can't use. use. I need oh. your money. I need money. That's what I want. All together now. All right. So here's Violetta. She says, "Who's never heard of the Beatles or Pearl Bailey?" I doubt it. I'll bet she has. Well, she has now. This is great. <laughs> um, uh, she's talking about STEM, and to her, STEM should be STEM with a B on the end that is silent that stands for baseball. Yes. And, and, oh, look at Chuck Lou. <laughs> Chuck Lou's excited yeah. about that. What a sport. Okay. Uh, so science, uh, tech, engineering, math, and baseball. Mm-hmm. And, and she says this, Dr. Lou, I am wondering, as far as the physics may go, are there any skills that you can think of that might give women a particular advantage in baseball? Maybe like rather than trying to throw the fast pitch, developing interesting off-speed pitches instead, can you think of any other areas of untapped baseball physics that players of any gender haven't yet explored to their fullest potential? P.S. I love all the Star Talk episodes and having you as a guest. You always are so gracious and your answers to questions are fascinating. Thank you for being you. Signed, oh, Charles oh. Lou's mom. <laughs> oh. 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 Hey, Chuck. Chuck uh, Violetta does say, and in all modesty, I and she's talking about, I play baseball and I'm just saying, I'm pretty good. Oh, oh yeah, for guys, he started out, I'm all pretty right. good. Good oh, for good you, go. Violetta. Love that. Oh, yeah, well, like well that. Violetta and Izzy, thank you so much for the question. Thank you for your kind words. It's very sweet. Uh, baseball is a tremendous sport, and it is a wonderful way to learn STEM, actually. There are so many intricacies of it, and so much of it requires scientific understanding, uh, not just hitting home runs, right? But your question is very, very good. A lot of people have uh, And Charles, we've got two of, minutes, so be, be tight. Okay, go. People have this preconceived notion that you have to have a certain body type or certain uh, way of playing individual sports. And uh, for baseball, that's one of the sports where any kind of body type or any kind of thing uh, that you can bring to the table that's unique can help you stand out. Exhibit A, Babe Ruth, body built on beer and hot dogs. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, So I would say, for example, if you were looking for a typical female uh, physique, uh, yes, you're pitching. Uh, will allow you, uh, you might be able to have unusual pitches uh, because you're able to have the ball leave your hand or your whole arm structure in a different way. Uh, If you're running the bases, for example, you may be able to, uh, through flexibility or through other kinds of training, be able to dodge uh, tags if you're trying to steal a base. Or you might be able to leap in the field, uh, find certain ways to grab things and throw better. So, Chuck, this would be a flexibility that women tend to enjoy in more ways than men do. Just Statistically a body speaking, flexibility. that's true. Right. That's right. right. And, mm-hmm. and also things like so for throwing a ball, for example, your fingers. And then, of course, uh, there's the strike zone, right? Uh, the strike zone is supposedly from your shoulders to your knees. 
So it doesn't matter how big or how small you are. If you're able to reach a ball in the strike zone, it's always going to be roughly a level playing field. And in some senses, uh, for example, there except are for where the pitching mound is, that's they're, is they're, raised. Right. They're, well, they're, <laughs> that, <laughs> the, the mound was I'm actually Chuck, lowered. I'm Chuck, you're, I'm trying to be doing put jokes in here, and where are you? <laughs> But you know that's yeah. that, I mean you're you're talking about field technicalities right. so well, that's... the 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 mound was lowered in the 60s because Bob Gibson had his ridiculous uh, 70s, 70s because of Bob lowered. Gibson's ridiculous 1.12 ERA back uh, when he was wow. pitching for the Cardinals that year. But yeah, so uh they're very famous uh players who had such good crouches that their strike zones were small and it gave them an advantage in hitting. So it may well be the case that you can take advantage of that if your body type or your physique uh matches that of the, uh, how about a woman's lower center of gravity? Did, would that come into play in any way, shape, or form? In baseball, I can only imagine that if you're trying to field a hot ground ball to third base or something like that, that you might be able to move laterally more effectively than someone whose body mass is more weighted toward the top because you have to move more of your mass a larger distance in order to go sideways. Charles, would that not help with hitting a lower center of gravity where you are able to get under a pitch and hit it up? Ah. Right. Well, uh, in baseball, uh, most hitters are taught not to get under the ball uh, to try to lift a ball, fly a ball, but rather hit the ball levelly. So just want to make contact. Right. <laughs> and, and have strong level contact. So, yes, if you're lower and a pitcher can't quite get the ball down or is trying to get the ball down so that you only hit ground balls, you may be able uh, to be more flexible either with your crouch or just have a smaller height to be able to hit the ball where you want it to go because you have a better opportunity to pick off the ball before it does its break or before yep. it gets too low. And people with famously high lifetime batting averages were not statistically larger than your average baseball players. I mean, you look yeah. at... Maybe uh, the best example is Wade Boggs, mm-hmm. uh, who mm-hmm. was famous for having a low crouch and his lifetime batting average was tremendous. Then one year, he decided to prove to people that he could actually hit the long ball also because he was tired of people saying, yeah, well, all you do is hit line drives. Yeah, and he wound up having a great year hitting home runs. Mm-hmm. So wow. he just and, proved that. And also with the lower center of mass, not all f- plays at the plate is the ball exactly where it needs to be for the tag. So the catcher will have to catch it and then move lower to a lower position. And so if you're already down there, that could give you a few extra scoring opportunities because of that. But excellent, Chuck. Uh, We got to take a quick break. When we come back, more Star Talk Cosmic Queries, the physics of sports. Whether you're a family vacation traveler, business tripper, or long weekend adventurer, Choice Hotels has a stay for any you. And that's good, because there are a lot of me's. Choice Hotels has over 7,400 locations and 22 brands, including Comfort Hotels, Radisson Hotels, and Cambria Hotels. Get the best value for your money when you book with Choice Hotels. Cambria Hotels feature locally inspired hotel bars with specialty cocktails and downtown locations in the center of it all. Hey, that's me. Radisson Hotels have flexible workspaces to get the most of your business travel and on-site restaurants. That's me, too. And at Comfort Hotels, you'll enjoy free hot breakfast with fresh waffles, great pools for the entire family, and spacious rooms. Hey, that's me, too. I guess I'm just going to have to stay at all of them. Choice Hotels has a stay for any of you. Book direct at choicehotels.com, where travel comes true. 
Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hop, hop, hooray. Nordstrom Rack's got sweet deals on everything Easter, which is Sunday, March 31st. Get to Nordstrom Rack now and save on Kate Spade, New York, Two-Faced, Steve Madden, Calvin Klein, and more from just $30. Score great brands and great prices on Easter looks for everyone, plus spring decor, gifts, and all kinds of deliciousness. Rack up the deals today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries. The physics of sport. Love that subject. Yes. And Gary and Chuck are giving us questions from our fan base and handing them to our resident geek in chief, friend and colleague Charles Liu. All nice. Right. Hi. All right. <clears throat> All right. So who's next? Who's next up? Is it Chuck? You got a question for him? Uh, I think Gary. No, right. it's, right. uh, right, Gary. Okay, I'll jump in. Right. This one, uh, another one of our Patreon patrons. Cameron Bishop, um, hi guys. I have a question about motorsports, specifically Formula One. Uh, how? Oh, Charles is already excited. Tremendous. How physics. would we need to adapt our cars, which are already very complicated engineering feats, for a Grand Prix hosted somewhere like Mars? <laughs> well, first you have to make sure that Lewis Hamilton is wearing a helmet, uh, otherwise he won't be able to breathe very well. Yes. But okay. beyond that, <laughs> Formula One. It has primarily improved car performance over the years by becoming more and more aerodynamic. Right. Right. Uh, they're using airplane technology to make sure that the cars actually stay on the road better, that yep. they can turn corners better and just go faster. So like the, car, the car is flying in reverse. Literally, actually. yes. <laughs> it's flying right. in reverse. It, it's a really good way to say it. The problem is, of course, Mars what, has... Charles, a I think the future of Formula One should be rocket engines. I'm sorry. That's just well, me. That's just me. You know, solid rocket boosters, NASA you, should sponsor you, Formula One and strap on some SRBs, and then it wins every time. We're done. Wait, let, let, let just, here's, here's, here's the The cornering post. is the problem. Gary is oh, exactly that, right. I was going to say. Here's because the it's post. not a drag race, right? right. It actually requires some, some skill and finesse here. So here's, here's the first post-race interview after Neil's, after Neil's thing. It's like, so it was an interesting experiment. Uh, what are those? Uh, what are all those marks on the wall? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Those those are the cars. <laughs> you mean where the, the you mean turn. where the cars where the cars hit? No, those are the actual cars. <laughs> <laughs> can, you, can you imagine a rocket powered Formula One Grand Prix in Monte Carlo? Oh my God. <laughs> I gotta work on that detail. The detail <laughs> turning but, but you're on to something neat because <clears throat> because, for example, on Mars, the atmospheric pressure is less than one percent that of the atmospheric pressure here on Earth. So uh, internal combustion engines wouldn't work. Yeah. So you would have to have something like a rocket. Yeah. Okay, so what you're trying to do is you need you need some device that will steal more air from its surroundings then would otherwise be naturally fed to right. the engine. That's because you need that. That is the actual propulsion. It's the induction right. of air and then 
the combustion out the right. back. And in the cavity that then sends in, it out the back. Right. right. So, so, then, so, okay, that yeah. makes, that and makes then, sense. And so that way, a rocket engine might actually be the best solution. So you can avoid the issue of atmosphere altogether because, after oh. all, most of the atmosphere in Mars is carbon dioxide, which won't help you with a jet engine as we understand them anyway. But right. Would that have a polluting effect in the environment? We haven't done that good a job oh, here. Are we yeah, now no. going to export that to Mars? It, it would be a, an environmental disaster, I agree. <laughs> Fabulous. But Let's cars, do that then. Yeah, but then cars would not need to be nearly so aerodynamic either. So you would have to focus on control, your ability to stay on the road when you're going at ridiculous speeds. That's a fascinating point, Charles. So because the atmospheric pressure is so low... Aerodynamics is you could you could have you like a you don't a have brick. the resistance. Yeah, you don't need airfoils and and That's funny right. funky it, shapes. It would be a one percent effect as opposed mm-hmm. to a much larger so effect. So we'd be right. racing Mercedes G wagons, which have the <laughs> which would have the aerodynamics of a brick, yeah. <laughs> a box. Yeah. box. That's great. Yeah, you you would not have to worry about the shape of your vehicle nearly so much. You want instead to know the shape would be depending on whether or not you can grip the road, whether you can make the turns at very high speeds and things like that some of the physics is very similar you want a low center of gravity you want good traction things like that but the power ratio compared with the uh shape structure would be very different right, so, so charles if you're uh because the gravity is less it's like 40 percent of earth's gravity does that affect the slope of the bank turns if you have a bank turn at all it would. I'm um, thinking NASCAR really there. Yes, it, banks it are a would because you have bank turns. But um, remember that the issue of your angular momentum is more important when you're going at very high speed than the gravitational pull, right? Because your gravity, you, you're going to, their car is literally going to be like the sand in a uh, bucket that is being swung up and down at the beach. You're, you're going to stay on regardless mm-hmm. of whether or not you have the gravity pulling on you because your angular momentum is so okay. much greater. Okay, so so if, I yes, go, if I go up a hill at 200 plus miles per hour on Mars, am I likely to stay on the ground once I reach the peak or have I gone, I, I want to say airborne, but that's not quite. Oh, you want to go into orbit, Gary? Is that what you're trying to do? <laughs> no, I'm just going to say, how, do I, how are we working that out in terms of avoiding <laughs> me just... If I were to do the physics real quick uh, in my head, um, 200 miles an hour, you would fly off, yes. You'd have to be almost vertical in order not to fly off. You'd still rise quite up high. So So the race would have to be slower. Uh, the race would be slower or the slopes would have to be higher if higher. you're banking your curves, right? Think about, one way or the other. Think yeah. about Olympus Mons, right? The, the tallest volcano on Mars. Yeah. Uh, that thing is many times taller than Mount Everest because the gravitational uh, acceleration at the surface of Mars is lower than that on Earth. So these mountains can rise higher. So that's what you'd have to do with the banks on the a The race to the NASCAR top of uh, that volcano. That would Olympus be something. Mons. That, that, that's, uh, that's a Grand Prix uh, for sure, all right. Yeah. All right. All right. Cool, man. All right. Next up. Okay. Let's uh, let's move on to. Oh, no, let me just uh, add to, to follow okay. up quickly on Chuck's point. This reason why the 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 combustion engines have trouble is the same reason why regular airplanes. There's a limit to how high they can fly, right? At any given speed, because they have to suck in enough air to make that <clears throat> the jet engine phenomenon work. So yeah, it, we take so much for granted down here at, at sea level. Of what's going on, right? Super cool, okay. uh, and yeah, okay. Uh, so planes can be like Icarus, is what you're saying. Right? <laughs> cool. yeah. yeah, Well, but instead of being burned by the sun, they run out of air. 
And run out of air and fall. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. All right, here we go. Uh, this is Ruvan was here, and he says, how the heck does one throw a curveball? What physics is going on there? Uh, oh. Ruvan well, wants to know. Uh, I would say, you know what? I'm going to throw this to Gary a little bit because uh, throwing a curveball, the reason the ball curves is very similar to the reason a soccer ball curves when it gets kicked. Mm. And, and so uh, I want the uh, true athlete to sort of explain why the ball curves, and then I can bring on the physics for the, the baseball in particular. You mean you want Gary to say what he has to do to make the ball curve? Yes, exactly. And then exactly. You'll, you'll give the physics yeah. of that. So, Gary. I, I would right. like to do okay. that. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. When I was – First of all, Gary, why would you want to curve a soccer ball? Don't you want to just it, it's kick devious. it straight in? No, no. So, okay. In a certain time, um, I want to disable, the say, the goal, goalkeeper, the goal minder, and have them think the ball is going from left to right – and therefore, they move that way, and then the ball just comes back in from right to left. Oh, so they're committing mm. their body momentum in the wrong right. direction. So once I get the body weight loaded to one side in particular, it's going to be very difficult for them to Gary, adjust that's just to the wrong. movement of the ball. That's just not nice. Hence, the, hence my prefix <laughs> of this is devious. And when it works, do you go, ha-ha, tricked you, like that? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And, I mean, there's, there's, another thing is the route to goal may be blocked. You see this in free kicks yeah, where they build a wall to protect the goal and then all of a sudden someone... And then they use their hands to protect their private parts. Yeah, well, yeah, of okay. course, so, yeah. I so mean, one must, the wall. one must protect the crown jewels at all times, <laughs> okay. right? Okay. So, um, and the most famous free kick in recent times was Roberto Carlos against France. I think it's 97, France versus Brazil. Or Brazil versus France. Wait, in 1997 goal, is recent times? That's 23 uh, years ago. Yeah, well, I think we How addressed How old the are you? Um, um, <laughs> I'm a thousand I, years look, old, I so 23 years goal. ago is recent. I remember that goal. It, yeah, it, was, okay. it was ridiculous, yeah. Yeah, in, in answer to your question, Neil, you can carbon date me after the show. And we'll, we'll <laughs> answer. Um, so Roberto Carlos comes up to the ball outside of his left foot, He's now addressing, the, he's coming up to the ball, addressing the ball on the right-hand side. So is he going to kick it with his left foot? He hits it on the outside of the ball, on the right-hand side. Now, if you imagine the ball has an, an imaginary equator, he's got to hit right on that equatorial point, but in towards the, slightly more into the middle so as he can get power to make it travel the distance. But because he hits across it, he imparts this spin, this rotation. And you can see from a camera behind the ball, it deviates by about two yards or more. It is going wide of the goal. And then all of a sudden it cuts back in in a most vicious way. The goalkeeper is a World Cup winning goalkeeper, uh, Bartes, who, uh, if, if you can imagine this, looks a little bit like the, the old Hollywood actor Donald Pleasance. Um, who was a Bond villain, if I'm not mistaken. There you go. But more famously for being, I think it was Cindy Crawford's partner at some stage. There you go. There's your, there's your sad nugget of information. But, uh, <laughs> not sad for Donald Pleasance. Uh, you know what? I, I, uh, yes, in answer. So, Charles, we were taught you can't hit too fine. You have to make contact in the meat of the ball. But if you hit lower, the ball will spin and rise. If you kind of hit across that equatorial plane, it will stay in a lower trajectory and travel, and you'll make more contact 
with the ball and therefore impart more power and force through the ball. Okay, so if you if you kick it on the right side, giving it kind of like from the top a counterclockwise spin, it'll then veer left. Yes. Okay. And and you will angle your run to approach it so as you you really do slice across it, but with such power. And there's and there's a trade-off. Thirty yards. There's a trade-off between maximizing the spin by hitting it just at the outer edge and giving, putting some meat on the kick to, right. to have the thing move forward. So, Charles, this is why, I guess, uh, uh, curveballs are never as fast as fastballs. Correct. Because some, uh, some of the That's energy exactly right. the and, pitcher's and using is going to spin it. You are 100% correct. And, Gary, thank you. That was just a, a, an excellent explanation of what's going You're on. You're welcome. Yeah. Imagine- From the recent goal 23 years ago yeah <laughs> but still most likely immortal uh, one yes, of the most okay. amazing goals ever uh, mm-hmm. except maybe the 86 diego maradona goal in the world cup but that didn't have as much to do with that was against england so we do not yes. <laughs> that, that was not as much aerodynamics as just ridiculous skill but that's a, that's another story uh and then there was the hand goal ahead of that but let, uh, let's let that aside as you said please do it was against england okay <laughs> The curveball requires that the pitcher push the ball a little bit sideways as it's being thrown, giving it a twist and not pushing it straight on as hard as you can right in the middle. Uh, because the baseball, like the soccer ball, is not a perfect sphere, it can then interact as it spins with the air that it encounters on the way to the plate. Wait, and it's not that the ball is oblong. You mean the surface is the textured. Surface is, the surface is yeah, ever it's, so it's, different. It's not right. a perfectly smooth sphere. It's right. textured. Yeah, That's okay. right. That's the right way to put it. And mm-hmm. so as a result, you can create the curve action. Now, with a baseball, it's considered a rigid body. right? It doesn't change its shape nearly as much as a soccer ball does. So when you hit the ball, the soccer ball, uh, the deformation of the soccer ball provides an even greater change, which is why you can have this sort of L-shaped turn. With a curveball, you just kind of get a a little bit of a kind of thing. Uh, That's a different scale of motion, and also the distances are are different. So what's happening with the forces on the ball, with the air and the forces? You have the spin, which is creating uh, non-laminar flow around the ball. And then the laces of the baseball... uh, accentuate that point. So the more you spin it, the more likely it's going to happen. If you had a perfectly smooth, uniform baseball, then the ball may not curve, uh, no matter how much spin you put on it, because there isn't the opportunity to disturb the air. So when you disturb the air, it creates an unequal force left and right on the ball. Right, or up and down for that matter. Or up and down, Mm -hmm. right, right. Another another level of deviousness. The sinking or the rising fastball will do that. That's right. So another level of deviousness for the soccer player... And it's, it's all about deviousness. <laughs> a baseball is a solid object. A soccer ball is inflated. I know you're ahead of me on this. But uh-huh. the aperture in which you inflate the ball, if you strike through that, you then have, Charles, am I right, some sort of pressure change, and you have a definite impact, pun yes. intended, on the deformation of the ball, and it will knuckle as you're right. in a baseball pitch. That's right. So, so – when you see people setting up the soccer ball for a penalty kick or a free kick, you always notice that the place where you stick the inflating pin in is somewhere where the, the valve, the, the valve. Yeah, yeah. yeah, somewhere where the player can actually hit it with the foot. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. And the okay. most devious thing is in baseball, if the pitcher actually kicks the ball towards the plate <laughs> or, or spits on it. Spits on oh. it. Remember, remember the spitball? Well, yeah. Uh, I don't know if you were around back then, but uh, the 
Gary Satchel. surely was. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, let, let's be super harsh now. Um, uh, the last baseball pitcher in the major leagues who was allowed to throw a spitball, I believe, was Satchel Paige. Because wow. everyone who used to throw spitballs were grandfathered in and allowed to do it thereafter. If you put water on the ball and then you throw it with whatever spin you have, you even create even more change because that changes the aerodynamics. It changes the um, ability for the ball to go through, like what's slippery and what's not. You also create water that kind of comes out and it changes the trajectory. It, it was spitballs are, are ridiculous. They're terrible. And yeah. then you try to hit the ball. The ball hits the bat and it, the ball is slippery. So it's going to go swirling away. Wait, wait, so there's a spitball and then there's the hockalugi. Ball. Yeah. <laughs> ooh, ooh. You mean the illegal ball, the, the <laughs> blob of stuff coming, right? Uh. And, and the batter's like, oh, look exactly. at that. Uh, I'm not hitting that. I'm not hitting that. <laughs> wow. Guys, we've got to okay. cut that for a, a second and final break. And when we come back, we'll have more Star Talk Sports Edition Cosmic Queries, the physics of sports. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Rack your look for spring at Nordstrom Rack and save up to 60% on brands you love. Rag & Bone, Vince, Marc Jacobs, Adidas, Joe's, and more. Great brands, great prices every day at Nordstrom Rack. Score new dresses, denim, sandals, designer bags, and sunglasses, plus updates for the family and home. Get your spring on for less, up to 60% less, today at your Nordstrom Rack store. What will you find? Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. Cosmic Queries, the physics of sports. And while I know a little bit of this, you knew we brought in our resident geek in chief, Charles Liu. Charles. What a pleasure to be here. Thank you. He's there. Okay. So let's continue this. Gary and Chuck, what questions do you have? Uh, here it is. This is from Stephen Summers. He's a Patreon patron and he wants to know this. Uh, greetings, doctors. Uh, of space comedy. Uh, question for him. <laughs> hey! Uh, he says, questions for Dr. Lou. I'm involved in high in a high-stakes game of Dumb Jot later today against some nasty... Uh, n- uh, That'd be Nausicans? Nos- Nausicans, yeah. Yeah, yeah they love not, Dumb not, not to be confused with snossages. Um <laughs> Now, I need an edge, he says. Any oh. recommendations? Should I turn off the graph plating or create a spatial anomaly or just keep my phaser set to extra crispy? Okay, what the hell was that? What a what, great question. What was, what, okay. what was that? Dom Jot. That, 
Domjot is a game in the Star Trek Next Generation Deep Space Nine uh, universe, okay, which is some sort of a mix between uh, pool and pinball. Okay, uh, it was introduced in Star Trek's uh, uh, Next Generation season seven episode Tapestry, which is kind of like a, it's a wonderful so life. Why do you know this? Because <laughs> he's a geek. <laughs> it's a <thing>. what? <laughs> Charles. But but in, wow. in this episode, yes, uh, Jean Luc Picard, played by Patrick Stewart, is kind of like Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful sort of lives his past as if he were able to make different decisions and so forth. But in that, uh, the, the, the Nausicans are a bunch of really, you know, big looking, scary looking thugs. Uh, and they want to play Domjot, uh, uh, Domjot, you know, play human, play Domjot. And so they're playing this time, but they cheated. And so, no. yeah, so, uh, <laughs> he was cheating too. And it's all kinds of funny things like that. So, so let me just answer very quickly. Uh, it's a great question, but I would never countenance anyone trying to stack the deck and cheat, especially against some, uh, angry Nausicans because they will rip off your appendages if they mm-hmm. get that angry. So mm-hmm. I would say to try to play and beat them fair and square, it is well known that Nausicans always try to roll the Tarek into straight nines. They always want that because it's like considered a, a cool thing for them way beyond the uh, importance of it in the game. So if I, you I knew that. Continue... I knew that. Chuck, you knew that too, right? <laughs> yeah, so, without doubt. So play yeah, yeah, to block <laughs> Nausicans' attempts to roll the Tarek into straight nines. And they will take silly risks, which will then allow you to sort of piecemeal win this game. Uh, now, okay. be sure, however, if you're careful, uh, if you're playing, for example, on Deep Space Nine in Quarks, make sure that Odo is there to provide enough security so that the Noxicans do not rip off your appendages. And here's the real answer. Be sure not to ask this question if you don't have a girlfriend. Because, <laughs> because what you need to do, what you need to do is go get a girlfriend first. And then you can ask this kind of question. Okay? See, that's, that's the real answer. Let's, uh, you better have a girlfriend is, is the answer to this question. I don't know, Chuck. I, 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 suspect, that, I suspect that question and answer might help attract a girlfriend. Yeah, unfortunately, only female Nausicans will be attracted to that question. <laughs> okay, so Stephen, you you had the choice of two answers. See <laughs> <laughs> you. <laughs> all right, let's move on. What do you all got? Right, all right, okay. let's do. We um, got to do lightning round. We got to get right, through these questions. Okay. The, the minimal. So, so, so Charles, give me yes. like soundbite answers. Okay. Got all it. right. Here's a question from the minimalistic soul: How to get strength back with minimal efforts? I'll answer this one. Take steroids. Next. <laughs> 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 you want uh, a real, so, real answer? Yeah, yes, yeah, go ahead. Okay. Strength, uh, repetition uh, of different muscle groups at various lengths at long period, over long periods of time. Cool. As a there training regimen. As a training regimen. Yes, yes. So that when you yes. actually are called to task on that, you will recover more quickly. Correct. Yes. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Here, Here we go. Next this, is, this is Andrew Gundrow. Gundrow. He said, it, Chuck, if you pronounce it like gumbo, you got it. Get on T. Get on T. Here we go. So he says, he says, hey, guys, 
Uh, a common criticism for the introduction of science into sports is that it can take away from the soul of the game, potentially ruining the challenge faced by the athletes and the enjoyment experienced by the fans. How should we evaluate whether the introduction of science or data or AI will be truly good for the overall sport or whether it will improve individual players' performance but ruin the overall game? Ooh. So when does it when does it make the game better and more enjoyable and when does it detract from the enjoyment by making the game better soundbite answer charles this is a lightning round question oh <laughs> yes, my god <laughs> and show all work <laughs> compare <laughs> and contrast here's the soundbite answer the yeah. more science makes a game or a sport fun the more it's good if you try to put anything into a sport or a game that makes it less fun whether it's you know steroids or unfortunate training or uh, whatever or science it'll make it less fun but if we can add the science and say look this makes the game more fun which science does if you do it right then we have no problem okay, okay i'll give, I'll give you the answer the athlete's answer is this does this give me an advantage can i win let's have it yeah simple as there, i'm in for winning go. Well, there you go. Okay, we're all of the age when we remembered when the electronic, I think IBM was the first to do it, the electronic tracking of whether a tennis ball, tennis ball hits the hit line the in or out. Mm -hmm. All right, that's science applied to a sport. Did that make it more or less fun? I think it made it more I, fun, unless I you're Yvonne Lendl or John McEnroe, right? <laughs> then it became unless you like watching fun. them argue. Yeah, okay. right. Oh, that's yeah. so funny. Yeah. John McEnroe nowadays would be, he, what are you? What are you, blind? What are, Shut up, John. Shut up. <laughs> the computer said it's out. <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 I may be blind, but the computer isn't. So get the right. hell back. Computer on the said no. Okay. All right. All right. Um, Next. Stay. stay. This question is from Stay Punk Chual. Uh, how do pro basketball from, from, players... From what, from what uh, Instagram? Uh, this or is Instagram. Is Sorry. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. Stay punctual. How do pro basketball players have muscle memory or to make seemingly impossible shots? Mm. Um, well, uh, I would say that's probably practice, practice, practice. Uh, muscle memory is a thing, although it's not physically a thing so much. Your brain actually can pattern in things that it's done before, whether it's in sports or in arts or music or science or anything like that. Mm. So if you do it over and over enough times, then your body knows at that moment what to do, what combination of signals to send from your brain to your body to get those things to happen. And then uh, there's also the point where you have improvisation. If you have different sequences in your head already set, you know how to take a shot and you know how to spin and you know how to dunk, then you can combine them together if your brain has done it often enough, almost instantaneously, to a jump and a spin and a dunk all in sequence. Cool. So what you're saying is, I don't have to invent a new sequence. I just have to staple together other fragments of the sequence that that's I've right. already perfected, and to everyone else, it'll look like it's something new. Well, that's my mm. understanding of the sports physics of the brain. Uh, but mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. new new understanding about how our brains and our bodies work is coming every day. So mm. I may be already way behind on the curve. Cool, cool. And like that scene where uh, where uh, Michael Jordan is at the at the foul line, and he just closes his eyes and shoots. Yeah. And then it's it's a complete yeah. it, it's all net. That, I would call that muscle memory. <laughs> I would call that. <laughs> yeah. or, or magic, one or the other. All right, here, let's luck. keep this going. We're in lightning round. Go. Here we go. Get a Patreon. Uh, yeah. This is Tyson Liu, 2019. Oh, 
Interesting. Oh, wow. So he says, uh, hockey skates, blade contact. Are we actually on the ice or are we on a layer of water? What is it? Mm, Good question. Uh, It turns out that it's complicated. It can be either or both. There's been a long uh, held belief that the reason you wind up being able to skate is because temporarily the ice skate pushes against the ice and creates a thin layer of water as it goes by. But it's more complicated than that. If you do the physics, that alone usually isn't enough. So surface physics is a part of physics which we haven't done a really good job in understanding the models thereof. So it's a combination of solid on solid and liquid on solid. And that's why uh, it's such a dicey thing to do when you're playing hockey or when you're doing figure skating. It's not always the same physics that's causing your skate to move. And therefore, you have to adjust physically with your muscles to make sure that you're going where you want to go. Ooh. Wow. Okay. okay. All right. All right. This is from good. Instagram, Jeff Calafat. What happens when a basketball seems to enter, a, enter the hoop but suddenly rolls out? <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, I'll tell you what happens. I lose $200. Oh, thanks, LeBron. Thanks. Thanks, LeBron. Well, um, the ball is always spinning, even if you can't see it on television. So if it hits the rim, it's going to strike at instantaneously at a particular angle, and there's a spin happening at the same time. It is altogether possible, but very unfortunate for Chuck, right, uh, that <laughs> he hit the spin and the rim in just such a way that the reflection angle from that bounce is actually out as opposed to being in. So that's kind of what happens. So, Charles, this is like if I take a ball and I backspin, take a basketball, and I backspin it away from me mm-hmm. if you're just standing and you don't see the spin it looks like i'm throwing it away but then it bounces back towards me Correct. so you can create a, a bounce trajectory that's very non-intuitive if you don't know in advance how the thing is spinning that's right wow very okay cool. so so it, it can't go in the net and come out of the net that that's not the kind of shot that we're talking about here it's got to be able the rim is a participant it's gotta hit the rim it's got to hit the rim in order for it to come back out almost okay. certainly yes yeah, the, the, okay. The net is not strong enough to provide strong that enough to, to repel it. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Cool, man. All right. Keep All right, it coming. This is this is Diegoat ninety three from Instagram. I love this question. As somebody who has tried to serve, notice operative word tried. Mm. Uh, he says, "What is the force that keeps you on your surfboard?" Oh, that's not so much force as it is balance. Right. Equilibrium. In order to stay still in any reference frame, in this case, the frame of your board you have to have all your forces balanced to zero in all the other directions. Otherwise, you tip, Uh right? So you're using micro adjustments of your body, your arms, your legs, your feet, your toes, in such a way that... Your ass, right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when I'm surfing, that is true. Uh, um, Such that uh, if there is a change in the motion of the board, you are exactly balancing that almost instantaneously so that relative to the board, your position and your forces stay constant. So if you're unfamiliar with surfing, it just looks like they're just casually balanced. But you're saying they're they're micro adjustments that I don't even know. Incredible muscle power needs to happen in order for this to go on. Uh, It is true that that I am told, uh, I've never successfully done this myself, that the the best surfers are one with their board. Which means that they, at some point, need to make almost no adjustments because they intuitively sense where they need to be at any given time with the minimum uh, adjustments necessary to have a zero 
net force compared to the position of the board. Because if there's any force that is net, that will set the whole thing into motion and you'll tip over or something bad will You'll spin, you'll fall, you'll tip. Wow. Very cool. That's so cool. Super surfer. The silver surfer, that's a silver surfer. one with the ball. Well, yeah. The silver surfer stayed on because of the power cosmic given to him by Galactus to be his first herald. But that again Why is a different story. <laughs> <laughs> I set him up, you knock him down. Fantastic 448. You got to go back to the, to the historical oh, record. Fantastic dude, that's 448. Amazing. Well, and one thing about the surfer, could it be then that if the surfer goes on with hand weights, that they would have higher ability to make adjustments because they have more weight that they can maneuver so that they could survive a wave action that might otherwise topple them. Like, like a tightrope artist with a balancing For point. example, very good, Chuck, yeah. Very possibly. I, I mm-hmm. don't know enough about the specific physics, the nonlinear physics, when you're actually riding a wave to know whether that's mm-hmm. an advantage or a disadvantage. But theoretically, it certainly makes sense. We should yeah, find if you have more weight you can reposition. That right. should give you more. That's interesting. The, interesting. the future, of, the future of, of surfing is you get two, you know, barb, two dumbbells, right. two weights. Or you have a find some. Weighted, weighted gloves. Sleeves. Yeah, weighted Somebody gloves. Weighted, weighted gloves or weighted sleeves in their wetsuit, mm. and they could cheat. Mm. Okay, so stay stay with this theme, okay, because Cooper Holland has come in on Instagram. And this, that, this might have to be the last question. Okay, All right, that's cool. Mm-hmm. Does being heavier on skis make you faster? Oh, fat skiers. Watch out, Olympics. You went there, didn't you? Well... <laughs> Let me think about that a little bit. On okay. the one hand, a higher mass would cause a greater normal force, which would mean that you, or if you have a coefficient of friction that's greater than zero, it will slow you down going down the slope, right? Um, on the other hand, if you have a higher mass, uh, you may be able to tilt yourself a little bit more so that you have less normal force and more parallel force heading down. Um, that's, a, that's probably uh, uh, an ambiguous answer. But there's also way. there's also Chuck as you if you plow through snow going forward, right. if you have more more momentum from your your heavier body, right. you'll go through that with it. Because in rowing, if you're going to Chuck, if you're going to bet on what boat is going to win, and you have no other information, boat on, bet on the heaviest boat, mm-hmm. right? Because the heaviest boat every between strokes, the boat slows down right. because of friction with the with the water. Right. But if a heavier boat, it will slow down less. Right. And so No, Neil is exactly right. If 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 you treat the snow as a viscous medium that's providing resistance to your motion, you would mm-hmm. want more mass. But mostly most of the time ski slopes are groomed. And so there isn't oh, a lot of loose snow that. blocking you. So instead right. you're just worried about the friction. Okay, so it's not an obvious clean answer there. That's right. No. And, and just to make it clear, fat people and skinny people will fall at the same rate in free fall. Okay, so it's not like you're fat, you'll fall faster than if you're skinny. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. That's why that's why I'm on the Galileo diet. I, it don't make a difference what I eat. When I fall, I'm still going to... Because he did the experiment. With the exactly. Yeah, you tower just don't jump back. off the Leaning Tower of Pisa. <laughs> right, there you go. Drop something else off the Leaning Try Tower of Pisa. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we got to call a quiz there. We should do this again. This, this was yeah. fun, and people uh, are totally yeah. in it from our fan base. Uh, Charles Lou, always great to have you. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a pleasure. It's great to see you guys. And, and we love your, your COVID rock star hair. Oh, yeah, thank man. you. Hey, 
next time maybe we'll have even more of it to discuss. Yeah, but then we got to start a band or something. And Gary, uh, always good, and and you're a good Pleasure. sport when I make when I make fun of your vintage. Hey, look, it is what it is, dude. We're going to carbon date me as soon as these mics <laughs> we'll go We'll do off. that. We'll report that on the next episode. Uh, Chuck Nice, always good to have you. Always a pleasure. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson, as always, bidding you to keep looking up. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.